0: Want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all the Scripture? Learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. I'm Nate Aiken. I'm joined on the podcast by John Aiken and Josh Redberg. We're continuing to work our way through the book of Hebrews, learning how Jesus is better than all things, and also how to interpret the Old Testament in a Christ-centered way. Before we jump into this week's episode, though, on Saturday, uh, Saturday February 24th, Christ-Centered and Clear will be hosting a one-day conference. On the book of Hebrews, just south of Raleigh, North Carolina. John and Josh, along with myself, will be speaking at this conference. We'd love for you to join us. You can learn more and register uh, for the conference at our website, ChristCenteredAndClear.com. Last week, we began to look at Jesus as the great high priest in Hebrews 4 14 through 16. Today, we'll continue to take a deeper dive into this old covenant role that finds its fulfillment in the one who ushered in a new covenant uh, as we begin chapter 5 and looking at verses 1 through 10. So, John, Let's start there. What was the process of identifying and inaugurating uh, the high priest of Israel uh, in the old covenant now that we're obviously talking about it here in Hebrews chapter five?
1: Yeah, so in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus starts with the first basically uh, five chapters or so, starts with the offerings that are supposed to be made. Uh, And then in order to make offerings, you have to have an offerer. Uh, And so after the uh, offerings are laid out, uh, in chapters one through five into six, and then the different uh, ways that you're supposed to handle those offerings, chapters eight through 10 start talking about the priesthood. And in chapter eight, you have Aaron and his sons uh, being inaugurated um, into the, you know, Aaron being inaugurated into the high priesthood and it being part of his family line with his sons. And so there's all kinds of stuff that goes on in chapter eight with the washing of Aaron and his sons and then different sacrifices that are made the altar being consecrated, then blood being like rubbed on Aaron's earlobe and all, all this stuff to consecrate uh, them for that task. And so uh, after that point, it's, you know, it, it runs through Aaron's family uh, in in the the Levitical high priesthood.
0: Josh, anything you would add there or even just uh, of the rituals the high priest would have to do in order to go before God on behalf of the people?
2: Yeah, I think the focus here in Hebrews is that he had to first offer sacrifice for his own sin. I think that's the the biggest contrast it's making between the work of Jesus as the ultimate high priest and the work of the human high priest. And certainly, it's going to talk about the difference in line, um, but that's just highlighting the difference in character. Is that these human high priests always had to first deal with their own sin before they could go and they could uh, deal with the sin of others, and so I think that's the most Um, most important contrast between the two is that Mm. Jesus, unlike these human high priests, is without sin. So the offering that has to be made by a priest for his own sin before he can intercede on behalf of others is unnecessary for Jesus, which is why he is the, the high priest that ends all other high priests.
0: So, John, what, what's going on in verse 5? As we think about Jesus being put into this role as a high priest, verse 5 says in the same way, Christ did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but God, who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father, also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What's going on in those verses?
1: Well, obviously, Melchizedek is going to feature more prominently uh, in a couple of chapters. But what you have happening in chapter 5, my, my understanding of this is, is ha- in, in, under the old covenant, for whatever, you know, reasons, the, the, the royal office and the priestly office were kept separate in many ways, although David, you know, does do some priestly-like things and, and, and Solomon does some priestly-like things. But you have a prophecy, for instance, in Zechariah, you start to see the merging of the priesthood with uh, the kingship uh, and so, so we're seeing that fulfilled in Christ here. So the Psalm two, "You are my son today; I've begotten you." That that royal yeah. language. He's the Messiah, and then this new priesthood, uh, not a Levitical priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek. And so you have a merging of these two offices, so that Jesus is going to be King Priest uh, in the same way. And again, this is the this is the fulfillment of. Uh, him as the true Israel, right? That that this is a kingdom of priests. Israel is a kingdom of priests. And so you see those two roles being merged in Jesus.
2: Hmm. Nate, along with that, one of the things that I think is significant is a high priest doesn't choose himself, right? So, I mean, we're in polit- political season and you have exploratory committees and you have these super PACs and all these things that select what they think is the best candidate. But God selected Aaron. And then you had to be of Aaron's line to be a priest. We know that when Uzziah attempted to usurp that role, he was judged for because God didn't select him. And so I think the use of Psalm 2 as well is to say like God selected Jesus and the lineage for Jesus was not from the line of Aaron. It's actually from God himself. And so again, it's both showing the the pattern, but also how this is the, the fulfillment of that pattern. It's the uniqueness of Jesus. He fits within the pattern in one sense, but explodes the pattern in another sense.
0: I know we'll pick up on Melchizedek again, but who is, just for our listeners, who is Melchizedek? uh, What does his order signify of Jesus' appointment to the role of high priest in verses 6 and 10? John, I'll throw that to you, and then Josh, if you want to add anything as well.
1: Yeah, so we're introduced to Melchizedek in uh, Genesis 14, after Abram rescues Lot. Um, and the kings of the plains. Um, and so he, Melchizedek is introduced there. He's the king of Salem or king of Jerusalem. So he's the king of peace. Um, and his name, you know, Mel- Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And uh, he brings out bread and wine after this, this victory meal. Uh, and Abram tithes to Melchizedek. And so again, Melchizedek is is different from the, the Levitical priesthood. Obviously, he pre- Melchizedek precedes um, even the birth of Levi, and he's a, he's not just a priest, he's a king priest. Um, and so this is being used, this pattern, I, I think it's a type, and obviously we'll talk more about it later, but this pattern of somebody who's a king priest who precedes and therefore supersedes Levi is the head of a different In category and quality priesthood that Jesus is being uh, inaugurated into,
0: Josh, how does Jesus's appointment again with those things in mind, particularly the the high priest, but then this different sort of priest um, order that Melchizedek comes from? How does Jesus's appointment to this old covenant role make it relevant for those under the new covenant as we think about things
2: like priest and payment for sins? Mm -hmm. Well, the new covenant builds upon the old covenant, right? The old covenant was intended to portray realities that the new covenant would fully, uh, fully usher in. So if you will, the old covenant is the shadow, the new covenant is the substance. And so by tying Jesus to these old Testament patterns, but showing how he supersedes them, what you're showing is how much greater the new covenant is in the old covenant. So that's why it's, it's amazing really God's, the beauty of God's plan and how it's fulfilled in Jesus, because, all of these things that maybe you didn't understand in reading the Old Testament, what they were really about, why they were important, significant. All of a sudden, Jesus comes on, and you're like, oh, those were, those were pointing us ahead to him. They were preparatory. Um, I was reading just this morning in Exodus, and you have you have back-to-back the first giving of manna, and you have striking the rock and water coming out. And I was thinking about how the apostle Paul shows us the rock is a picture of Christ. And, of course, Jesus talks about himself being the bread of life. So these two events from the Old Testament actually were intended to help us see Jesus. And the events in the temple and tabernacle that were part of the Old Covenant, just think about those as like the, the, the pinnacle of the Old Covenant examples, all intended to show us how Jesus both meets and surpasses them in ways that, uh, that are almost almost hard to fathom how much better Jesus is than, than what we see in the Old Testament.
0: John, I'll come back to you. Um, There's several things in this this chapter that seem, you know, when you're reading them, you're thinking, "Well, no, Jesus is God's son," but the language is is unique here in Hebrews to some degree. But it says, "If Jesus is, uh, so if Jesus is God the Son who created all things, what does it mean for us that He learned obedience?"
1: Yeah, and I think we addressed this uh, a little bit back in the podcast on chapter two, Um, but. It, it, he learned obedience in the, in the sense of um, he did uh, when he became man uh, in the incarnation, and then in his uh, fulfilling of the mission that the Father sent him on, he is completing that mission. And so, in the completion of that mission of coming to earth, living, fulfilling the law, dying on the cross for sinners, uh, and his suffering, he's he's being obedient. To the Father, and so he's 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 going through experiencing that obedience, um, and so it's not it's not to say that he was ever that there was ever a time that he was disobedient, and that he had to learn to be obedient, it, but it's saying that he fulfilled the mission that the Father sent him on. Mm. Josh, anything you would add
0: there?
2: Yeah, one of the points it's making is that he can truly sympathize with our suffering, and so part of that is he learned obedience while suffering. In other words, Jesus never suffered before. And so while perfectly obedient to the Father, in his humanity, he humbled himself. And part of that humbling himself was taking on suffering. And part of that suffering was obeying the will of the Father through suffering. So it's sort of the difference between, you know, the the person who before a trial says, all I need is Jesus, and the person after trial who says, all I need is Jesus. They knew it before. There was no but they experienced it in a in a new way. And that's what it's saying with Jesus. He really did take on humanity. We have talked a lot about this, I think, in Hebrews is is we need to wrestle more with the incarnation of Jesus. When it says he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, it means something. It means he actually lived as a human.
0: Like that that was real.
2: He went through puberty. He I, I was thinking about just this the other day. He he sat in the temple and he listened to people teach him when he knew so much more than they did that's there's a humiliation in that like mm-hmm. he learned to obey god even in the suffering of i'm having humans teach me what i wrote so like there's true there was true humanity there and so he mm-hmm. learned it so that we could then honestly say he knows what it's like to suffer and still obey the father mm
0: final question uh, verse 9 he was perfected he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him um, just what what does his role as as high priest um, what does it mean both for those who are unbelievers but also for those who are believers John I'll start with you and then Josh you can wrap it wrap it up
1: well I mean for for those who are unbelievers um, I mean it means they're outside like right the, a priest is a is a mediator an intercessor a go-between uh, uses here the language of the source of eternal salvation. And so if you're, uh, you're out, you're off, you know, off the source or whatever, I'm, there's that, that goofy commercial that's on right now during all the football games that people are making, uh, you know, memes about with the, the, the light socket that sings in, in, uh, auto tune or whatever, and, and how he's missing the, the charging the phone because it has such a long lasting battery. But if, you're, if you are disconnected from the source, then you do not have the power, the source of yeah. what? Eternal salvation. And so if you're disconnected, you don't have it. Yeah. Um, as for believers, and 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 that language there shouldn't trip anybody up. For those who obey him, uh, real faith is demonstrated to be real by obedience, right? We put our faith into action. Uh, those who are believers, then they have been, as we're going to see later in the book of Hebrews, the veil has been torn and they've been ushered into the very presence of God. And they are connected to the source of eternal salvation.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And I think for both unbelievers and believers alike, um, it's just also showing us we have no need for human priests. I mean, we get to go to God's son directly and ask for help. I mean, living on this side of the cross and resurrection provides us freedom that uh, Old Testament believers could only long for. Like we aren't being kept from God's presence by the walls of the temple like they don't have to, people in my church don't have to visit Father Josh and give their confession. They don't have to drag a lamb to be slaughtered. They get to go directly to Jesus. Like how much grace is there in this? This is so mm-hmm. much better. So it's a it's an opportunity for both celebration and also uh, an invitation to come and, and receive grace and mercy.
0: Good stuff, guys. We, we do thank you for listening to the Christ Under and Clear podcast. Next week, we will wrap up chapter 5. As we think about the importance of an ever maturing faith, uh, we will talk to you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. If you have questions, topics, or texts that you'd like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at podcast at christcenteredandclear.com. And please visit us at com for more resources that will help you see and share Jesus from all of scripture.